Hey listeners, this is Gaten Kilpak, the designated sitter podcast. This is episode four of the first season. I'm joined as always by my co-host Steven. We're going to talk about the playoff races and where the standings are going this year. We're going to dive in a little bit into how the Nationals have gotten hot here at the end and then talk about MVP races and Rookie of the Year. As per usual with two opinionated people like us, we had what we thought was our set plan to talk about and then we just derailed. But I think what we leave through the editing and the conversation should should generate a little bit of thought for you. Let's jump into it. Okay, so so far this week, since our last podcast, three more teams have hit their elimination number. Oh. I think it was Baltimore that hit it first last week. Baltimore, yeah, because right. Detroit had a worse record, but somehow they played a weaker division. Right, so. right. Yeah. So Detroit did finally hit it, and then Toronto just after, which wasn't surprising anyone, and then Kansas City. So right now, the next yeah. ones to hit their elimination number in the AL is Seattle with two. And then I think LA at eight. The Angels are eight games out of oh. elimination. Yeah. Isn't that sad? You've got good players on that team. How's so I, I know in your outfield you have Mike Trout. Cole Calhoun. Remind me the other third outfielder. I don't even know. Do you think I, I honestly couldn't tell you? And we know a lot of players, I feel like we keep up with the game pretty well. Is he just kind of unnoticeable or is he Um it might be a rookie, it might be someone from so how long no. do you think it is before they call up Joe Adele, who currently is the number four prospect in baseball and is in Salt Lake? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, he is an outfielder. I actually saw an article about that recently that talked about, like, is it time for Joe Adele to be on the Angels? Um, let's see. Oh, also actually, Marlins. Oh, sorry, go. Marlins hit yeah. their elimination number. Oh. Only one in the NL so far. Um, yeah, and that's saying something because... I don't know. When you talk about parody, that shows a little less parody. <laughs> Just to catch up, Stephen and I have this debate. I, I'm a very big AL fan, and he's an NL fan. And yeah. his biggest debate is that there's more parody in the NL. Yeah. Right. Parody is people, multiple people having chances of winning. Okay. A top-heavy league where all of a sudden, all everyone in the AL East is getting eliminated, but the top three. Oh, fair. Is not parody. But on another note, with Kansas City getting eliminated they lost today 19 to 4 oh brutal it was 10 to 2 in the first three (laughs) rough the leadoff hitter had six rbis in three innings what's going on with the mets the mets are in fourth place in the al east have they is they hot streak just ended um not ended washington got so hot and that's one of my highs and lows well philadelphia is hot too though because philadelphia is the real one to watch out for there who am i looking for again the third angels Outfielder, yeah. Third, they haven't played in two days. Not that a, doesn't make any sense. It's not a bad bar bet. Oh, right there. Who can name that person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have any idea. Um, they've just played the Astros. Okay. Oh, Justin Upton. 
he was really good. He's right. currently batting 213. Okay. With nine home runs, 34 RBIs, a stolen base, and a 714 OPS. So, no, he's not good. He well, was good, not good. Do you feel more out of touch with what counts as a good or a bad batting average this year compared to most seasons? Um, sure. I saw a couple of tweets from like Mike Petriello. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his actual name is. Um, but he made this tweet about Bryce Harper and how he was only batting 254, but he had 900 OPS or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I get not batting for average, but not only is he have, you know, batting right next to the Mendoza line, he's also has a 714 OPS. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if he had a bad, but he was hitting for crazy power, but he's just not. Well, you know? I mean, strikeouts are up because Bryce, his batting average is low because he doesn't make it across first base often. But when he yeah. does, he generally pulls into second, third, or home. Yeah, no, I feel that. Yeah. What you call? I mean, Justin Upton's been in the league for 12 years. So right. he's at the tail end. So Tape I don't in. know if they're just letting it ride, mm-hmm. but it's probably time. I mean, Cole, Cole, Cal, Cole Calhoun is like a really defensive-minded outfielder. He makes he made that, if you remember, um, he made that diving play in at Fenway, the right? uh, Boston game. Yeah. yeah. He like there's I feel like there's a video of him doing that every other week, but yeah, kind of that. I mean, it's funny though because if you heard there was a game at Fenway and you're going to have a top ten highlight of an outfielder making a diving catch, you'd expect a Jackie JBJ. Bradley Jr. Yeah, he had one. Yeah, he uh, did. Who were they playing? They were playing his players week in San Diego. It was game two of the San I mean, Diego series. Yeah, they're playing San Diego, so that's fine. <laughs> but okay. Uh, we were watching that game actually at home because I wanted to see how that sure. would go. And it was funny because I watched mostly AL games at home. Yeah. And so my wife kind of looked at me because she happened to watch the game with me and goes, I've never seen so much bunting. And <laughs> I kind of forgot that that's, you know, that is a big part of the NL game. You see a bunt every few innings or an attempted bunt. Not I've, Only if the situation's right. Right, right. Um, but pitchers, you know, especially for an AL pitcher when you're pitching in an AL, in a, in AL park. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> It's some of the greatest TV I've ever seen. <sighs> I, yeah, that's another point of contention. But Oakland is actually back in a wild card spot. Technically, there's three people sitting it in the AL, so there's probably a need for an extra game there. So Oakland just slipped back in. Cleveland is a half a game ahead with Tampa Bay behind. And then Red Sox are six games back. Yeah. Yeah. So their elimination think- number is 25. What are you thinking? For Oakland? Yeah, go ahead. What are your thoughts just right there on the wild card? I feel like Tampa Bay is holding on for dear life. I don't know. If, do you watch much football? On occasion, yeah. Okay, so like we're, we're both baseball guys. That's obviously we're, we have a baseball podcast. Um, but I like sports a lot, all sports. And I was watching the college football kickoff, Camping mm-hmm. World, Miami versus Florida State. No, not Florida State, Florida. The entire time, Miami was winning but it felt like they were losing. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like they were hanging on for dear life. Like they shouldn't have been winning. Like Florida was playing better and eventually Florida did win. Um, And that's kind of how I feel about Tampa Bay and Oakland right now. Oakland's the better team right now. They're playing better baseball, but Tampa is right there with them. Like they're, they're within 0.001 winning percentage points. Uh, But it just kind of feels like Tampa's just kind of hanging on and they've had some bum luck. I'm gonna be honest with their uh, injuries in their pitching rotation. Like I feel that, and guys that you thought were gonna be studs at the beginning of the season, like Austin Meadows, 
has been okay, but was nothing like he was producing when they were winning all their games early in the season. So I bet Oakland finishes it out ahead than Tampa. Right. But at this point in the season, like there's so few games left that, and the games change this playoff scene more, you know, one game does. So who never knows? You know, a five game run means more now than it did back in June, you know? Right. And you've got the reigning Cy Young winner on their team as far as the AL with Snell. Yeah, but he's not even their ace right now. No. That was the funny thing to me. But that's kind of been pitching this year in general in a lot of places. Yeah, no, I feel that. Except for DeGrom. DeGrom's still the ace. Right. Pitchers change year to year, though, more than, I think, any position. You know who did that, though? Who Hmm. changed a ton? Okay, so there was a guy, and he put on this low-key, almost a Cy Young season, Kyle Freeland, last year. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy because he's pitching for the Rockies and as we all know, it's really hard to pitch in Coors Field just because of the amount of offense that happens there. Right. But so he had like a 2.47 ERA pitching half his games in Coors. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, 2019 is going to be this breakout season and his ERA is over six this Mm -hmm. year and has spent time in the minors. I don't know if you could convince me that there's not a more volatile position than pitching in the major leagues. Right. The change in the turnover. Yeah. Injuries are most common at that position. Yeah. Right. Long ones too, right? Like Tommy John. Tommy John keeps you out for 18 months. Right, right. Automatic, yeah. And when you come back, you're not even the same, a la Shelby Miller. <laughs> it's funny to see players come back from Tommy John because you've got somebody like Nathan Eovaldi who's had two of them and then goes yeah, on to pitch the bottom of a 16-inning game again in the World Series. And he, you know, this year hasn't been the best for him. It was a back injury, not his elbow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned that I spent last night, I think I spent four or five hours reading about Tommy John and just kind of the causes of it. And I didn't realize that there are a few position players who have had Tommy John surgery as well. Seager from the Dodgers. Right. Seager's had it. Christian Vasquez, a catcher in the Red Sox, was a surprising name that stood out to me because I just hadn't heard anything Mm -hmm. about it. Usually you do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What's crazy is because it's usually those positions, like why pitchers get it is because your arm shouldn't do that. Like humans are not programmed to do that. No. To put that much strain on your arm. Like if you take a snapshot of a pitcher mid-delivery, like you're like, how does your arm not break? Right. With what you're doing right now. And so you put all this strain on those tendons in your elbow. Um, but yeah, if you have like a weird throwing motion or you do it repetitively enough, like it's going to be almost like carpal tunnel, right? Where you're going to have that, that idea, that repetitive strain that it might do it. And somebody, some people stronger, you know, there's pitchers that, go through their entire careers without Tommy John. Right. And I'm actually about to launch a lot of data research into Tommy John. If, you know, there's anybody out there who wants to get involved in something like that or understands a lot of the processes that goes into research like that, I would love to get a few people who want to get involved in something like that, you know, reach out to our Instagram account because I think there's a lot to Tommy John that isn't talked about. I know they have their theories on it and they have, they talk about, the angle and such, and that it's not a singular pitch where it occurs. It's multiple Mm -hmm. uses and tears. I would like to look into, do players who get it have something in common with other players, even in simple means? You know, it could be something weird like this pitcher, all of these pitchers use the slurve pitch. So the slurve pitch might have something about it that causes proclivity to it, or the curveball is the big cause because of the way the hand rotates over while you're already yeah. throwing your elbow at an odd angle. 
there's a lot of different yeah. things. And if anyone has thoughts on what they think we should look at when we're looking at that with null hypotheses and, and alternate hypotheses, there's a lot that goes into that kind of data research. And what's hard is you only get yes or no outputs. You don't get alternative thoughts. So it takes a while to move through that. But that's something that I'm actually looking forward to digging into because I would like to see yeah. if there's anything going on there that's unrecognized right now. NO is pretty well the same at the top. Jumbled. St. Louis has come into it. Yes. Washington, you're right, and we'll get into that. They're four games ahead in the wild card, which is the strongest lead of both wild cards. And Chicago's currently in, but they do not have a strong lead. It really could no, be anybody. No, they just got swept by the Nationals. Right. Philadelphia's a game back. New York, two. Milwaukee, two and a half. And Arizona's only four games back with the Giants, 4.5. And then the drop-off where you really wouldn't consider them anymore. Yeah. You know what's crazy about the Dimebacks? Um, just because that's the bottom half of the um, the bottom half of that wild card race. And they're sitting, I think they're a game under 500. They're even. 66 they're and 66, at 500. right at 500. Okay. That's their thing, dude. So they are the most 500s team ever. <laughs> in in and ever existed in all of baseball they have been at a 500 winning percentage they have won as much as they've lost they've been within a game of 500 more than any team ever to ever exist they are the most mediocre baseball team in history i read an article on that and it was talking about how they picked the most average team in baseball and last year it was the pirates they just stood right in the middle that whole season yeah. And this year it's been the Diamondbacks. They chose them as the most average team in baseball because yeah. they have been. More than any team ever to ever have existed. I'm watching a documentary right now, the Ken Burns one on baseball. And if you've never seen it, you definitely go watch it. Ken Burns is amazing. He's an amazing storyteller. Um, and it's split up. It takes from the 1900s to the 1990s is when it debuted. And so it's split into decades and they're called innings. So, mm. you know, 1900, 1910 is the first inning, 10 to 20. And so I'm. I'm listening to all these stories about Babe Ruth and guys that knew him and Joe DiMaggio. And like, I'm hearing all these names that I've heard, but I didn't really look and I get to look them up on baseball reference. And I'm like, holy cow, like Christy Mathewson was amazing. Mm. Right. And so I was things, but there's a, been a lot of baseball played a lot. And so for a team now to be the most of ever is crazy, right. especially. And it, I don't like, I don't know. How much would you love it if they just ended their season 81 to 81? Just I would be so happy because I called that. Did you? I was, I, yeah, I was looking at projections for all the teams and I saw that the Dimecs were like rated pretty low just because, I mean, you look, it was a mass exodus leaving from, from the team, right? You traded Goldschmidt. You lost AJ Pollock, AJ Pollock to a division rival. Patrick Corbin got signed free agency by the Nationals. All those three got well, they were top-end starters in your team. And you're like, okay, how are you going to replace not only run prevention, but run production? Like, how are you going to replace that? Everyone was bagging on him. Everyone brought him down. And I just thought, I just, I don't know. I just, I was like, I think they're a 500 ball club and I think they'll play like that. And I've argued with my brother-in-law and I've argued with everyone around and 81, 81. If their run differential is zero, I'm going to buy you a steak dinner at the end of the season. (laughs) Cause that would just be the greatest thing to happen. Yeah, that would be unfortunate. They actually have a really high run differential. Um, I think it's. Let me look it up real quick. Are they doing the same thing as the Red Sox this year? Winning on dollars, losing on dimes. Uh, 
It's plus sixty, so it's not it's not super good. It okay. was better. It was up at plus ninety eight for a while. Right. But I mean it's one, two, three, four, five, sixth best in the National League. Mm-hmm. So not terrible, but you know, decent. Right. It's oh wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, fourteenth. Yeah, fourteenth out of thirty teams in run differential. There we go. If I were to highlight this week, sure. I would honestly say the Rockies have been funner to watch this week. And it's only because of two starts. They got swept. They did. By the Cardinals. It's only been At two home. starts. It's only been two starts. All right, all right. And that has been because of Tim Melville. He has been a very unique pitcher. And what's funny about Tim Melville is I almost appreciated him more of, as a pitcher because of your views of pitching in baseball. You know how sure. when you get to be invested in how somebody views something, so you almost appreciate something knowing that they will. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I got you. And it's so, like because I like something, you see it, and we talk a lot, so it's, I got you. Yeah, yeah. And so Tim came up on Tuesday of last week, if I remember right. No, 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 no Wednesday, Wednesday, because I would have mentioned him last week if this happened. So Gray came up as injured last Tuesday night, and then they needed an emergency pitcher, and he was pitching with the isotopes and out of Albuquerque. They're... Okay triple a team and so they called him up i mean his last start he started in salt lake i believe just before which isn't a bad place to be playing to get ready to play in cores because salt lake is pretty high and he gave up a few home runs in that game just but it's the pacific coast league so right that's yeah just is the case and they've got joe adele and they've got actually joe hadn't hit a home run in that game though he just hit his first a little bit ago oh really yeah yeah he got the silent treatment in the dugout that minor league Mm. tradition first home run Mm. he gets silent treatment that was kind of funny Anyways, they, uh, he was called up at the last minute, comes in to pitch and pitches seven innings with only one earned run, and that was a home run. Two walks and I want to say like maybe two hits, maybe just the one hit. Sorry, I'm not interesting. Right now, so he started again this morning. He's got 10 strikeouts out of 12 innings pitch with a one whip and a .75 ERA. Which for a guy who has bounced around a couple minor league teams and done independent ball is a pretty good start. No, yeah, no, for sure. I mean. And there's a lot to do with video, not having a lot of video on the guy. I'm sure the Diamondbacks last week were excited because they thought, oh, we're not playing great anymore. We're going to be able to rake here at home. I mean, yeah, I think the dude had like a 5-4 ERA coming in and 5-4 ERA in the minors. Right. But yeah. But he is an old school pitcher to the T. His fastball, I, I wouldn't say it has a ton of heat on it. If I'm mm-hmm. looking at it, he's got what? Maybe 90 is about where it, it tends to be. Just under 90, I think. Yeah. But he's got a good slider, a great changeup, and a curve. He tends to mm-hmm. prefer his slider. That seems to be the case. But he threw... And I mentioned this on our Instagram, a couple of EFIS. I'm saying that right, I hope. Yeah, no, EFIS is right. EFIS yeah. curves. That really slow, like not oh, even. Oh, yeah. Like beneath hitting speed, like what a position pitcher would throw, a position player pitching would throw. Yeah, yeah. And he just threw very strategically. And mm. sometimes it felt like he was pitching to contact, but poor contact. Mm. And it was fun to watch. And then in his interview, just... Super easy going, super humble. I have really enjoyed watching him. And 
the other highlight to that is last week when he played, he got a base hit in his first at bat and it drove in a run. Yeah. And then his second at bat, he laid down and you know me, I, I just don't <laughs> like bunts. I don't like bunts, but he threw down a great bunt that advanced a runner to second. And I believe drove a run in from third, which, you know, he got out on, but that was a great move. And it's fun to at least see a pitcher if they're going to bunt that it's a successful bunt. It leads to something good. Okay, two words for you, Mr. I don't like bunting. <laughs> Safety squeeze. The most exciting play in baseball. Guy on third, well, guy up to bat, bunt down the first baseline. As soon as dude make contact, the guy from third's running as fast as he can. Bang, bang, play at the plate, scores a run. It, most exciting play in baseball. In my opinion, most exciting play in baseball, a 3-2-3 three, three, double play. Lose? No. Oh my no. Home runs are too much this year. 3-2-3 <laughs> three, three, double play. Right? First to second. Oh, wait. No, yeah. No. First to catcher. Oh. So. First to catcher. Oh, Right. So oh, the first oh, baseman oh. fields the ball. So the bases are loaded, which means you're in a bad situation. Yeah. Blasts at home to get the force out at home. And then they blast oh. it back to get the batter out. Just a quick oh, wow. bounce back. I think that's I think the most I've exciting. That it's rare. It is rare. Yeah. No, I, I saw this uh, to kind of go, you know, with one. I actually, we, we write out highs and lows for this. And one of the highs that I had chosen was the Nationals, and I got to watch one of their games. And Gio Gonzalez. Uh, Gio Gonzalez? Nope. Uh, Anibal Sanchez is the guy. It was Players Weekend, so I couldn't see the last name because it was in Spanish, and I don't speak <laughs> Spanish. So I, I don't know who it was. Uh, but it was Anibal Sanchez. They were playing against the Cubs, the Cubs, I believe. And he laid out in this bunt, and Wrigley Field... Most infields, actually, there's, there's the dirt, base paths, and then there's grass, right? And if you lay down a bunt and it hits the edge of the grass, like, like if a ball was to bounce off a corner of something, it shoots out the other way, right? Mm-hmm. He drops down this bunt, and it rolls, and it literally stops on the chalk halfway between home and third. And Chris Bryant is just staring at it, and he's like, are you freaking kidding me? This is ridiculous. So Anibal Sanchez is on first, guys on second, Everyone's safe. It was great. It was perfect. Because he just watches it, you know, hoping it rolls out of bounds. And it just stays there. Perfect. I love bunting. Right. Well, it's a good thing you put it on a good bunt. I mean, where is he sitting right now? Isn't he like in the seventh percentile in fastball velocity? Anibal Sanchez? Yeah. Yeah. I have seventh no percentile. <laughs> seventh percentile. Tenth in curve spin. Like 26th in strikeout He percentage. pitched into the ninth inning. Yeah, I think he pitched eight. Eight, eight and a third innings? Yeah. He's got, this season, he's got 110 strikeouts over 130 innings pitch, so just under a strikeout per inning. Yeah. And then he's got an eight to six win-loss with a 3.81 ERA. So he doesn't rely on a lot of I'm heat. I'm telling you. Yeah. On the That ball, outing no. was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Friday. Because as soon as he came out, they gave up three runs. And it was frustrating. Anibal Sanchez. Three at-bats, two hits, one RBI. Heck, yeah. So I noticed... Eight and, a, eight and a third inning pitch, one hit, two runs, one earned run, two walks, six strikeouts. Yeah. I love when pitchers go deep into games. I think that's, for me, I had a couple games that I could watch at the time, and I kept getting drawn back to this Nationals-Cubs game, partly because how good the Nationals have been lately, but also just because I like watching quality pitching. 
And so with Animal Sanchez, you know, going deep into the games, I would love to see him get that final out. He probably could have done it too. I think he was at like 105 pitches, but you know, what are you going to do? Right. It's Davey Martinez. He does what he wants. <laughs> but regardless, the Nationals seriously are doing so good though. It was last week. It ended on the day we dropped our third episode, but they had a five-game stretch where they scored 62 runs in five games. They scored 13 runs or more in three straight games. They're the first teams in the National League to do that since the 1996 Rockies. And they, with that 62-run stretch, they set the record for Nationals slash Expos franchise history. Just an absolute monster of a stretch. And they were all over the place. They are batting one through nine. Everyone was, you know, doing whatever. And they're arguably the hottest team in baseball. I don't know who to, who else to put there. I mean, I know the Braves yeah. are playing really good baseball right now too, but they're 15 and five over their last 20. Although it's fair to say that sometimes when we say the hottest team in baseball, we almost mean to say who has come above their average performance for the season the most, right? I mean, the Astros have been great all season. The Dodgers have the best record coming among them and the Yankees. But if they're playing to the way they've always played, sometimes it's easy to say whoever's playing better to their usual self is the hottest team. Have you noticed that? Maybe that's why why everyone was so infatuated with uh, the Mets. Yeah, because at the time, they had a, even by the end of that heat, they had a worse winning percentage than the Red Sox. But they were playing yeah. so much above the beginning of their season, they were hot to their own temperature. Yeah, no, for sure. Oh, hot relative to their temperature. Right. I, I can agree with that. I'm trying to look. Uh, there is actually a pretty cool expanded standings on baseball reference, and it gives you, you know, the entire MLB, and it gives you, like, splits, all that kind of stuff over the last 20 games, right? Because last five is, eh, it's not that much. Last 10 is not that much. Um, currently, over the last 20, the Dodgers are, because you mentioned the Dodgers having the best record in baseball. As much as I it's just am not a LA fan, they're an amazing ball club. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like, they just, they're, so, they're just good ball players. You have to respect just the staff that is there. No, yeah, I feel that. The management I mean, is great. Like coaching. Oh, yeah. You don't listen to like... He's let Canley Jensen a lot of games. <laughs> Stop my call, right? You can't win them all. LA's 14-6 and six over the last 20. Right. Now, they, got, they, they lost to the Yankees, which was... You know, if we're talking about... We talked about the end of our last podcast that that was kind of the series that we were going to watch um, this last week, and the Yankees squarely came out on top of that matchup. Right. Right now they're both 86 and 47, but the Yankees definitely showed that if they meet in the fall classic. Oh, well, I mean a three game series versus a seven game series. Right. Different. One thing that I will say that struck me was the Yankees feast on left-handed pitching. Mm. Right. Like they're just, they just, because they, you know, they have guys, they have judge. They have, uh, what's his name? Encarnado. Well, no, he's not even out right now. Gio Urshela. Their first baseman is Mike Ford right now, which is, you know, it's Mike Ford. No one knew who he was three weeks ago, but he's tearing it up. The uh, DJ LeMayhew, who's, you know, just rakes. 
like all these guys, they they just hit really really well against left handers. And the three, three of the starters that they're probably going to face in fall, um, in the playoffs, Kershaw's a lefty, Ryu's a lefty. Uh, what's the other guy's name? He's an older guy. Rich Hill's a lefty, right? All these guys that are that are going to come back and join the rotation. Um, they're all left-handers, and so you know, edge Yankees. They actually scored seven runs against Hyunjin Ryu in four and a third innings. Who has had the lowest ERA of any pitcher this season? Yeah, he gave up seven runs in four innings, and it raised his ERA to two, two flat from under one, right? Yeah, I think it was like a one one seven eight or something. Like that. Right, but but still, like you, that's a lot of runs to give up in four and a third innings, and to then your ERA still be at two is just frankly ridiculous. But that big of a change in only a few games is painful. I mean, if you've worked no, a for full sure. season to keep that, <laughs> think about him right now as a pitcher. You've worked your whole season to hold a stat down, yeah. especially if you're already at like a seven ERA. That doesn't bump you much, but when well, you're down at a one, runs at this point, right, <laughs> right. But when you're down at a low stat, small things make such big impacts. You're walking that razor edge of just if I back off just a little at this point in the season, mm-hmm. it can blow my stats out of the water. Yeah, no. So he he has pitched. Um, he's been sidelined by injury a couple times in the past couple seasons. Um, which is one of the reasons that no one's really talked about it. When he's healthy, he pitches really well, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, and he's actually about 160 innings is about where he's pitched the last couple seasons. And he hit that. So there's like this little sense of like, um, like, are you hitting that wall? Like, are you not able to continue pitching? And obviously we'll see. Um, he, the Dodgers have one of the easiest strength of schedules left. And obviously, like, that's relative to who they're playing against, right? Like, if you're the best team in baseball. The NL West isn't putting up a lot of competition for them right now. Although, I will say, they're at one point, they had, like, a 20-game lead, and they're down to, like, 14. Right, but to get a 20-game lead or even just have a 14-game lead, it's yeah, not the NL sure. Central where no yeah I, I would say that they're a better team than than the majority of the NL Central but the NL Central together has much more parity amongst themselves um yeah the talent level is probably the same and that that's one of the things that that I you hear a lot is the Dodgers have they've run the NL West for years now I think it's four or five years in a row that they've won that it's rough for those guys down at the bottom you know what I'm saying oh yeah like you're to and it's hard to like imagine right you think about it like Padres Rockies Diamondbacks all they're doing all the time is competing for wild card spots like that's got to be rough as a team you know yeah to Throw go the into a season being like who, well who were on a heat streak and now yeah. it's kind of tapered but, oh, yeah no for sure and their run differential never never was saying that they were going to be able to sustain that no it just wasn't now Again, we appreciate it because Bochy's last season, stay relevant. Like, I get it. But, yeah, there was, there was no way they were going to sustain that. Forever. Right. But Yeah, the Dodgers' kind of, strength yeah, of schedule, the average team ranking is about 16.26. So, they are beat by a couple people. The A's have a little bit easier. Astros have an easy schedule. You know, 18.26 is the average ranking of their teams through the year, and especially with what's remaining. 
Yeah. So the Astros I was more talking go ahead. in the sense of the division leaders. Mm. Right. Okay. Because like the bottom of the division, right? The Orioles, because they're the you know, or we'll say Detroit because they're gonna have the worst record. baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So the everyone they're playing is gonna be better than them, so they're gonna have a harder schedule. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. So like out of the division leaders, they have the easiest schedule. So let me ask you this. Do you think the Yankees beat the Astros power machine right now? So the one thing that I'll give the Yankees is that in postseason baseball, your bullpen soaks up more innings than it just is. Like in the regular season, starting pitchers go longer, but because there's a, a smaller, finite amount of games in the playoffs, if your guy starts to struggle, you're going to pull him and you're going to turn it over to your bullpen. So the Yankees, who have an elite bullpen, kind of gets the edge right there. Now you want Houston starting rotations amazing. It just is like they're they're all over the place on the leaderboards. It depends on where the Yankees injury thing lies, right? Like it depends on where they're at roster situation rise because Aaron Hicks is going to come back. Um, Luke Voigt's going to come back. Aaron Hicks is going to come back. Sorry, now like they're playing like I love Mike Talkman. Don't get me wrong, but you know Giancarlo Stanton's an upgrade, right? Right, and they've played almost the entire season without that guy. Now I don't know if where his rehab's at. I don't know where if he's gonna be back for the postseason. But there is this level of like the Yankees are going to get healthier, mm-hmm. and they're winning a lot of games right now. Well, here's the big issue for you: there, the Yankees and Astros have the same number of losses at 47. The Yankees mm-hmm. have one more win because they've played an extra game. Yeah, the biggest battle here is going to be home field advantage. Both teams have ridiculous home and road splits. Right now, the Houston Astros are at 49 and 16 at home. Yeah. And the Yankees are at 49 and 20 when at home. Yeah. Whereas on the away, Astros are 36 to 31 and Yankees are 37 to 27. It kind of balances Houston's home average because they're pretty good on the road as well. Mm -hmm. But the Astros pitching. (laughs) Also, is a big part of their home splits. Garrett Cole, especially. Mm. When Garrett Cole pitches at home, I will bet you anything, no matter who gets home field advantage in that season or in that mm. series, Garrett Cole pitches a home game just by way of splits. Start. You think Verlander, okay, so say, like, say the Yankees get home field advantage. Are you not going to pitch your quote unquote ace? Well, Verlander pitches first, right? Because that'll be the Yankees. Sure. But then I think you see. Uh, Granky, second, and Cole in the third game when they get back to Houston. I mean, I guess when you you have that kind of flexibility just based on roster, you know, you know depth. You have mm-hmm. depth like that. I guess you can play that kind of game. Oh, I absolutely. Don't know. I, okay, so like, so is Garrett Cole pitching at home worth risking? You know, like you want to play your guys back to back. If you if you're playing an away series first, like say you're playing in New York first. You want those two games, right? To steal two games in New York, like I think that morale wise would be bigger than having Garrett Cole pitch at home. That's just my personal. Like I would rather like be coming into Houston two zero than one and one. Not saying that Granky can't win there, but I mean, of all the people, he has the least experience because he's been in the National League for this long. Well, Garrett Cole, his home and away splits just are ridiculous. He's got ten wins, two losses at home. With five to three losses on the road. So they've played them 
five more times at home, which means they obviously like playing him there better. But is that just how the rotation stacked up? Or is it like a, a it can be? Choice? I mean, the rotation isn't always in its own order, especially when you've had a few trades too. That could go into that. Yeah, his ERA isn't. It's about two fifty nine at home versus two ninety five away, and so it's not a huge difference. I think he gets a little more support at home as well, since their home splits are good. And Jordan Alvarez actually has a much better game at home. It seems like. Okay, well, our season's kind of coming up to its close here, which sure. means the big talk right now, aside from who's going to play in the postseason, is how are players going to do in the awards column? Oh, me and you had a discussion before this. Where we talked about how you know different awards come to be, and it'll be interesting to see how these awards shake out, just based on because they're written, they're voted by writers, they're voted by people that are in, you know. Media and not a big group uh, either. No, he has like thirty people. Yeah, I want to get on that list really bad, <laughs> <laughs> like really bad. Like I want to vote so bad. Dear Rob Manfred, we here formally submit <laughs> our name for voting of M- MVP right. That's the designated sitter podcast with our few followers of Instagram. I'm gonna vote for Mike Trout. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> He's the AL MVP, and I don't think. You can convince me otherwise. And can we please do a league-wide MVP so that we can vote a second MVP in a certain league? He's talking about the American League because Mike Trout is just so much better than every other baseball player on the planet that you have really, really good players in the American League that get zero recognition because they're playing with Mike Trout. And it's just not even fair. Do you feel like this happens as much in other sports where you have a Mike Trout? Or do you feel like Within his sport, he's one of the greatest ahead of all of the other players. And not a lot of sports have that much of a, a gap between players. I'm not sure. You th- I mean, you think about other sports, right? You have the Tom Brady's. Right. That was the name that came to my mind because you have to wonder, Tom Brady has had a good team. Yeah, no. 100%. I don't, I don't know if there's... I mean, the closest thing that you can get, I think, is to LeBron James in Cleveland. Right. And, but, one out of five, one can carry five. Mm. One can't carry nine. I feel like I might be able to find a few examples of people like that if I followed soccer or hockey more. Oh, Zlatan Mm. in the LA Galaxy. That dude's a monster. Right. I don't watch soccer, and I know that guy. That's that's but that's how crazy good he is. MLS, and it, it, MLS is okay. the AAA of of soccer. Rough is that? So he's okay. So on, I don't. I gotta and he said soccer. that himself, not in those words, but he came here to be like, "Look at me." Right. I I remember him talking. He. <laughs> this is actually one of my favorite comments of him. They were talking about another player in the league, and I don't follow soccer, so I don't remember who it was. But they were saying. People say he might be better than you than you were at his age. And he says, where is he playing right now? Knowing, but, you know, they say, oh, yada, yada team here in the U.S. And he goes, yeah, when I was his age, I was playing in Europe. <laughs> but it's true. No, I don't. Great Europeans come uh, to retire here in soccer. Yeah, because they extend their careers. Um, right. Like if you I, had the option to go back down to the AAA to extend your <laughs> career, that would be the same thing. Yeah, except for the money's significantly different. So, no, I don't think there's someone like Mike Trout, and I don't know if there's 
Mike Trout is on pace to be the best that's ever played ever. Right. That's I don't I don't know many sports that I mean obviously you have the the goat debate for the NBA with you know with uh LeBron or Kobe MJ, or MJ. But, it's oh, a big mix. Some people will crucify you for putting Kobe in that conversation. But there's a lot of people who would crucify you not for doing that. It's I mean, yeah. I think it's very heated debate, about yeah. that. It the funny thing is is that Mike Trout isn't debated. No, yeah, no, no. Everyone's like everyone's like we should stop talking. We should talk about it more. We don't talk about it enough because no one gives Mike Trout the attention that he deserves. Do you think it's because there's not a debate that it's not as exciting to talk about? It's harder to have hot takes about Mike Trout because when you do, when you say like, oh, he's not even that good, you just get buried. <laughs> right. Everyone because everyone's you like, don't watch you're baseball. an idiot. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think that's part of it. And I think part of the... We've already kind of talked about his demeanor, but you know what's you know, interesting though is there there are players whose stats right now put them a little higher than Mike Trout. Um, Cody Bellinger right no, now, but not overall, is in the percentiles in his league, doing better in certain things like outfielder jump in his outfielding yeah. and outs above average. He's a better defender, right? Right. He plays a he plays a he plays a well. He's also got a higher hard, hard hit and exit velocity, but these are also measured against your own league, which is kind of hard yeah. because the AL has the designated hitter. So yeah. to just exceed everybody in hitting in the AL is a little harder. Was, yeah. No, yeah. It's not, not weighted down. But I mean, when you talk about uh, defensive, Mike Trout plays a harder position. Mm. Right? Bellinger's in right field. Bellinger plays right field and first base. Like the two easiest defensive positions. Now, he's a really good defender, but he's not a center fielder. Right. Mike Trout is. Yeah, it's a ton. I think what's what what what's the thing with Mike Trout is that even if he's okay, he leads in a lot of categories. So I don't want to put when I say this, I don't want to put a put aside the fact that he's not leading in a bunch of categories. But the things that he's not, the thing that he does is that he doesn't make a lot of mistakes ever. No. And that he's consistently gotten better like I have a hole in my game. One off season, guess what? Now I fixed it. Like he just does that. And so there's like, he does, he's the best at a lot of things and he's never, he's in the top of everything else as well. Even if he's not like the best, he's in the top of everything all the time. And he has been for a long time. Right. And it's funny because you look at him season to season, he says, I'm going to work on this. And every season, it seems like he just focuses on one thing to fix. Yeah, but nothing else regresses. It's no, it's, it's crazy. Man, the but, power you could have if you had that ability, you know. It, it's interesting too when you look at similar batters to Mike Trout. You can only pull people from specific seasons. You can't look at somebody over their whole career. Yeah, because you have to take them from their hot seasons. Twenty eighteen Mookie Betts. This year's Jordan Alvarez. Last year's Max Muncy. He was a lot better last year in terms of batting yeah, for sure. But you and couldn't compare him to just Max Muncy. Right, right. Yeah. You have yeah, to take because Max Muncy's best season is like Mike Trout's fourth best season. And he's had nine seasons comparable. Right? It's like stuff like that. Right. And it, but, as we're kind of going down this road where we're talking about MVPs, I think one of the things that comes up is how much does narrative play into it? Because last year, Mike Trout should have won the MVP, if not for making 
the playoffs, one of the big things for him in becoming MVP is he plays on a team that he's only made the playoffs with once and they got swept. So Mookie bets won last year, and I'm not saying that Mookie didn't deserve it. I think if you were to take a top three, I would have had Mike and Mookie in there. No, he was. I think I think Trout was number two. But the MVP is supposed to be a regular season award. But it doesn't feel like it generally turns out to be that way. Well, uh, uh, the, I mean, I feel you. They should have to vote on this like September 27th, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, but I don't that's think the they thing do, though. That, I mean, one of the huge reasons that Yelich won last year is not only has he played unbelievable baseball, but he carried the Brewers to a playoff berth. And they were a game away from playing in the World Series, right? So, like, that was a huge. The narrative was part of it. But mm-hmm. I feel like, obviously, it, it can be part of it, and it should be part of it, I think. Um, just for the health, the health of baseball, I think narrative should play a part. But okay, when you get into like only accepting playoff teams, you also struggle with the okay, like salary, right? Mm. Most valuable player value. I don't know, like Ronald Acuna Jr. is probably the MVP if we're talking about value. He's still in a rookie contract, or no? He just he got extended. He got extended, mm-hmm. but. He's a super cheap contract for his talent level, right? Grossly underpaid. Absolutely. Which is unfortunate. Which so you can't include those because then you're taking you're taking you're judging him based on past performance. Because in, in the major league baseball, okay, so in, in football you get paid for what you are going to do. In baseball you get paid for what you've done. At least to this point, right? Because control is everything for major league teams. So they'll use you cheap and then they'll give you a big contract. Right when you start regressing, right. So there, that your your payment is is coming after you've performed at your highest level, mm-hmm. right. So like, you can't do a yearly award when you're if you're including value dollar amounts in your MVP discussion, because then you're saying, oh, you're not an MVP this year because, you know, you were an MVP three seasons in a row. You know what I'm saying? Right. So let me read you some numbers and kind of draw out what I'm thinking is going on in the AL because now that we've established that it should have some to do with narrative. Sure. Mike Trout's exit velocity is in the 82nd percentile. Sure. Hard hit 83rd. Out okay. to have average 72nd. I'm not going to include okay. outfielder jump because this comparison is not going to involve that. Okay. Sprint speed though is up in the 96th percentile. He is a fast runner. And for a guy who has played seasons over you know, what is it, 250 pounds, being a six-foot over guy. I mean, how tall is he? He's six foot two, 235 right now. That is a lot yeah, of speed big, for though. a big dude. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. So what he doesn't always have for exit velocity, let's say he just hits a blooper right over the infield. He still gets on base because the guy is fast. No, yeah. He makes it there. His weighted on base is the 100th. Uh, extra base average, 97th, and slugging 100th. Okay. His WOBA is in the 100th percentile? Mm-hmm. XW Woba. So that, okay, so for your weighted on base average is your quality of contact. Right. Right. That's and this really is expected is. weighted on base. So based so on how this they play, like, what they see to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What in relative to what everyone else is doing, people with that, those stats for that hit should equal this. That means he makes the best contact in baseball. So for example, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Hits the ball like crazy. And his Woba can even be pretty high. But 
just hitting the ball hard doesn't mean you have quality of contact. Does that make sense? Well, no, like, there's yeah, a reason the they measure hard. barrels over just hard hit percentage. Yeah. And so I think like for him, like a hundredth percentile, that means you're the best, right? Yeah, absolutely. At least in his league, because they do these separately, don't they? Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. No. In I, I mean, if it's Mike Trout, we know he's just the best. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, matter. Sure. And when we talk about batting rates, if you're the top in the AL, there's a good chance you're the top in the league. <laughs> now, sure. to be fair, NL usually has better two-way players. Oh yeah, no, for sure, because you have to. But yeah, right. Or now here's another player whose exit velocity is actually up in the 97th percentile. Sure. Hard hit is in the 95th percentile, which are both higher. Sprint hmm. speed is the suffer. That's 56th. That's the hard part. Sure. But this person doesn't play center field. You know, Mike Trout plays center field. I, so this is a weird anomaly to me. A center fielder should have a fast sprint because they run a lot. But how are you not just exhausted after running All through center field and you have to come in and run bases, especially when you make a lot of extra base hits, you're going in for multiple, you know, you're not just running 90 feet at a time. You're running yeah. multiple. I know that, that sounds funny to a lot of people, only 90 feet. But when you're pushing it all at that time. Yeah. No. Expected weighted on base average, 89th percentile. Extra base average, 96th. And then expected slugging, 92nd. Sure. This player has only been in for a few seasons. Is at the ripe age of only 22. This player has not had this good of a season in the previous season and a half that they've played. Sure. Yet this season has led their team in a team that has the top three players in most positions and only suffers due to pitching. And that's Rafael Devers. I feel you. I know that Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. And if we were only to ever go off stats, would just be the MVP year to year. But that doesn't make for an exciting award. Nor does it help Mike Trout to just have a trophy case of meaningless trophies year to year, being that, I mean, they're not meaningless. But when you're the best, I think sometimes having a $420 million contract, you could care less for another MVP award. <laughs> I think Raphael Devers is a great candidate. I mean, yeah. I, I, okay, I, I, I agree with you. And, and Raphael Devers is having an amazing season, and he's had an amazing season. Name five uh, players you would rather have on your team in, in terms of batting. It, it's hard to find. I think you could limit it down to that amount. Uh, no, no, he'll get, I think he'll get votes. Mm. But I don't, I don't, maybe not. I don't know if anyone's ever won a unanimous, um, a unanimous MVP. I don't think they release what the numbers are, do they? I don't know. They might if it was unanimous. It was the first time it ever happened. Right, right. We, are we talking only AL players? Yeah. I mean, well, we can talk both leagues. There, I, I, there are a lot of players, but he's definitely in the top 10 batters right now in the whole. If we're, if we're, talking, if we're talking about who would I rather have? Um, like filling out a lineup? How, how many people do you think it takes before you hit him? You know, five, seven? Well, if we're going off war alone, he's number nine. Number nine. Yep. Now war inc- includes defensive war. And he has, but it, you have the people you have Trout, Bregman, Matt Chapman, Marcus Simeon, uh, Michael Brantley, Mookie Betts, DJ LeMahieu, Jorge Polanco, right? George Springer's up there. So, like, just offensively, I, I can see it. 
he's number he's number four in offensive war in the AO. Right. So I yeah, he, yeah, but so I think that's the that's what that's another thing that's why Mike Trout is so good because not only does he have like this incredible offensive ability, he is a really, really good defender. Oh, like he absolutely. Has, uh, he also has the high Mike Trout has the highest on base percentage, he has the highest OPS, he has the highest slugging average. <laughs> like he's just all over the place. Like he has the most home he leads the league in home runs. Did you know that? Currently at forty two. He leads the league in walks. Right? Like he's just so good at everything. And so that I and we talked a little bit about it. Like maybe you just have like, hey Mike Trout, you're the best player in baseball. Here's an award. Let's give other people a chance. <laughs> I, I I kind of feel that. I don't know if we'll ever get to that point. It's it's a weird um, space to go into though, too, because I think we both agree that we don't like participation trophies. We yeah, hate no, that idea. So the best getting the award, you really can't hate that. Yeah. But that being said, it, it's a hard thing to balance. No, for sure. Because you wouldn't mind and seeing so, a second place person who's just never going to be first place get recognized at least a couple seasons. No, for sure. And I and you know, that's one of the reasons that for the record, I hate fan voting for All-Star games because Dever should have been an All-Star. Should have been. Right? Absolutely. But but there's like what what are you going to do? Like, there's a bunch of fans who have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and coming and from the Red Sox team this year, I, I love Mookie Betts as a person. There's a lot of things that he's done in and outside of baseball that make me admire yeah. him. Sure. But based off the way he's played this season, I was a little surprised to see him push through at the end. No, yeah. Rather than Raphael Devers. He, he, was he a starter? He wasn't a starter, remember, because the starters are voted by the people. And then That's the managers pick up a few. No, he didn't. The managers pick up a few extra, and that was him and J.D. Martinez both got picked up. And it, it would be easy to say it's because Alex Cora managed, but if we're looking at them seriously, Mookie yeah. Betts has led in runs and doubles since the time he's entered the league. And I, and I, I love Mookie. Don't get me wrong. He's a great guy, but I don't know. It's just... He's not having his all-star, the all-star season. The all-star game is broken. For one, lack of competitiveness, and two, who gets led, who gets who gets put in? Let me ask you: it's, Is the I'm lack sorry. of competitiveness is part of that because the NL has lost it quite a bit over the last few years? There's nothing to play for, right? It used to be if you won the All Star game, you got, your home, league got a home field advantage, which Bring I liked. Bring it back! Oh, absolutely! It's dumb to have an All Star game where the best players in the entire world aren't competing. That's that's a silly idea to me. I it doesn't make any sense. I get it's a good time, everyone gets to hang out, you get to see them all in one place, but it just seems silly to me that if you're not going to have if you're going to have the best players in the world, if you're trying to go for the best product on the field and you're going to have a bunch of guys that aren't trying, it just it it seems pointless to me. But yeah, I I love the energy that goes into those games. You notice they were more strategic. They'd let some pitchers pitch a few more innings because they wanted to get good use out of them. It's just not the same game. It's, it's unfortunate when the home run derby is more exciting than the all-star game. That's, that's my personal take. But, so I think we've, we, we can agree that Mike Trout's probably going to win the MVP. There are other people that are going to you know deserve consideration. Um, but in all reality, the 
the NL MVP race is so much more fun. It's so much better right now. And what's funny about it is I think we're going to disagree here. Oh, okay. Let it rip. The NL race is mostly about that contention for the Triple Crown, which Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger have been chasing for. You know, the, the two of them, it's, it's been, they've been driving in a lot of runs. They've been hitting a lot of home runs and their batting averages are great. They're having a great season and it's been a really tight race. Bellinger is currently in the lead on that, right? In terms of home runs. Um, I'm not sure. It changes every day. It's, it's just so hard to keep up on in that. Yeah, no, for sure. Bellinger's um, got 42 home Bell- runs. Bellinger is, is significantly better defensively. And that's where I think we'll disagree, because I think you're thinking towards Christian Yelich, aren't you? Oh, Christian Yelich should be the MVP. Okay. Hands down. How's Hands that? Hands down. Um, his... Okay, so I want to talk not value as in dollar amounts, but dollar to value as a team. Yelich is worth more to the Brewers than Bellinger is to the Dodgers. Are you talking about because, clubhouse presence? Um, no, I'm talking about uh, production equal to and relatively to your teammates, right? And so I get you shouldn't punish players based on who they're surrounded by. I 100% understand that, right? But Yelich is carrying the Brewers right now. Right. Pitching has sucked lately. One through nine is not hitting, right? Like, it's just, like, they're a good team, but they're not anything like they were. The Dodgers are deep, super deep. The fact that they can call up a 22-year-old catcher and him hit, uh, I think his OPS was like a one, one twelve, one point one two. We're talking about Will Smith. 30 games, yeah. Like, just as a shout-out to they, our follower on Instagram who was mad that we didn't include him in the debut derby. Here's your moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, the fact, it's just they're incredibly deep. So I get that. Um, Yelich is having a better offensive season. Mm-hmm. He just is, right? Um, Bellinger's leading in in wins above replacement by one point eight. That's a pretty big gap, but it's because it's because Bellinger has one point seven <laughs> defensive WAR compared to uh, to Yelich, who's not even anywhere close to the top ten. Right? He's like he's nowhere near it. No, so his outfielder jump is fifth percentile, and his outs above average is twelfth percentile. Yeah, he's he's like he's an okay, he's a serviceable defender. He is the opposite of Jackie Bradley, Bradley Jr. He yeah. is an amazing batter, but he cannot field to save his life. Uh, no, because because if you're in the fifth percentile, you're above average. Your outs above average, so you're an average defender. You're not you're not a negative contributor. You're just average. If you're in the fifth percentile or the twelfth percentile of outs above average, outs above average, right, right. So, but I'm saying, I mean, I'm saying in terms of DUR, maybe he does. No, but let's just say in terms of somebody who should be considered an MVP. If you're only better than the average person by twelve percent, rather yeah. than let's take Cody Bellinger, right? So let me let me read you and the stat the line. Same position, so that's a exit bit, velocity. Yeah. So this is Christian Yelich. Exit velocity, 99th percentile. Hard hit, 96. Yeah. Outs are at 12. Jump at five. Sprint seed at 88. Extra weighted on base average, 99. Extra base average, 98. Extra slugging, expected slugging, 99th. Right. Moving over to Bellinger. Yeah, his exit velocity is only 88, but he's got an extra home run. His hard hit is at 93rd. His outs above average is 95th. 
His outfield yeah, no jump way. is at 87. Sprint seed at 89, not that far off. Um, expected weighted on base average, 100th percentile. Extra base average, 100th percentile. Expected slugging, 99th percentile. All across the numbers, he's just outranking. Yet somehow the war doesn't show it the same. It's because, it, okay, so part of it has to do with situational. Okay, so here's this. So win probability added. Okay, this is, this is, this is a cool stat. It's one of my, I enjoy it. If you watch the game feed on Baseball Savant, it gives you how much this player contributed toward the probability of that team winning. Okay? So, given an average team's, it's essentially right for these players that caused by this batter during a game, right? So, a plus or minus of one indicates one win, essentially. Does that make sense? Mm. So, like, if, if it got to 100, that's like a plus one. Because it's usually a percent-based thing. Right. I've, I've never looked at this leaderboard before, and I'm fascinated by it. Okay. Top is Yelich. Ahead of... This is, this is across the major leagues. This isn't just... This isn't just uh, the NL. This is all major leagues. He's ahead of Trout. By almost a full game. He's 5.7. Mm-hmm. Trout's at 4.8. Bryce Harper is at 4.5. Bellinger's at 4.4, Freeman's at 4.4, Muncie's at 4.2, Acuna's at 4.0, Santana in Cleveland, uh, 3.8, Michael Brantley, 3.7, Matt Olson, 3.7. Right, so these guys are the ones that have contributed most to winning games. Yelich is number one. Situationally, okay, this is is taking more, this is the same idea except for you, you take your win probability and you divide that by leverage index, which is essentially they make it so like how important an at-bat is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yelich is ahead. Oh, okay. I lied. They're tied. 5.4. So situationally, right? This is, it says, it is the sum of the win probability added divided by the leverage index for each play. Win probability added depends greatly on the context of the at-bats. This stat does not. So essentially... Yelich is more clutch. Where in the season did Jorge Polanco drop off? Because at one point in the season, I would have put him as a contender, not a winner, but a contender. And then somewhere mid-July, he just disappeared off the map. Um, well, it's more like the Twins disappeared off the face of the map. They're still leading their division. A la Cleveland Indians. <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, I don't know. I, okay, so it's funny. Uh, I talk to a lot of people who love baseball on the internet, off the internet, whatever. Um, and there's people, homers are my favorite. People that are so in love with their team that they can't see. Mm. Right? Um, and there's this one Braves fan, and they were talking about, or no, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a Cardinals fan. They were talking about Paul DeYoung, who's an amazing shortstop. Don't get me wrong. Probably top four, top five in baseball mm-hmm. shortstops. But he was so convinced that he was going to be the best player in baseball. And I said, look, dude, like, it doesn't matter how good of a year you'll have. Regression to the mean is a thing. Mm. Especially over a 162-game season. Most people are going to 
be worse than their best season, right? It's just like, that's just, that's what it is. If they have their best season, you have a higher likelihood of regressing back down than you do accelerating past that. Yeah, and as a statistician, that's actually something we look at a ton. Regression of the mean is everywhere. It's in your daily life. If you have a really good day in the week, people almost expect a bad day because that's just a law in nature. Not that you should, but it just happens that way, right? Yeah, no. Things balance themselves out. And I almost wonder, a pitcher who suffers from regression of the mean is Rick Porcello. He has good seasons and bad seasons, but not even kill seasons. But he ends up at his mean by having (laughs) Cy Young seasons and then just seasons where you have to wonder why he's signed to the Red Sox. (laughs) Um, Okay, so here's an idea. Christian Yelich's MVP season. Greater statistically or worse statistically than this year? I'll give it's more. It's it's his season's better than last this year. year. Yeah, yeah. His his plate discipline is the main thing that's gotten even better. Okay, and just but just statistically, the first mm-hmm. half of last season, he was like a he was like a, a toss in all star last year. He's a reserve, right? He was like, he was like yeah, he's a good, he's a good, he's a good player. From that point, he ha- has. Literally defied nature and saying, screw regression to the mean. <laughs> I'm going to keep getting better. You know what sucks about getting voted MVP, though? What? People treat you differently when you show up to their stadium. And I'm talking about the players. Last year, in the entire season, he was only shifted on 11 times. Mm. This year, 152. He went from a 1.7% shift ratio. The 30.2. But is that because he's MVP or because he because he's playing like an MVP? That makes sense. Like, did you earn that or is that because you got the title? I think that when you look at who's the star of a team and you're looking at video and you're looking at how you're going to play the game, you spend more of your time focusing on heavy name players. I agree with that. I can't speak to that fully. And I think it would be nice to have somebody who could come on and talk about a little bit of that process game yeah but a change from one percent to five percent would just say oh okay there's something going on this season a change from one percent to thirty (sighs) percent something happened yeah no i got you maybe it's more than just yeah no i feel you right interesting idea is take his shift percent of the last half of the just because that's when you really turn it on now you want to talk about writing on the wall something that's Absolutely assured. Foregone conclusion. Rookie of the year. Jordan Alvarez. Right. At least in the AL. Right, right. I just can't think of a player who fits the description better right now. But what about Vladdy Jr.? Oh. (laughs) Oh, it's painful. I don't know. Like he's a good, he's a good player. He's a great I, player. Well, I don't want to put him that tag there yet. But I mean, looking at Vlad, you know, this season he's he's not in the high percentiles in terms of anything really. Exit velocity, he's at sixty six. Hard hit, he's at fifty seven. Sprint thirty six. Expected weighted on base sixty eight. Right. I mean, but if you were to look at um hard hit leaders like how many or like 
or like actually like the hardest hit balls. He's all over the place. Mm. He doesn't do it on every hit, but he does. He's he when he does, he hits it so freaking hard. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like he's done some great great things. I wouldn't tag him as great just yet, but everyone. Yeah, and you know what? I think when you play decently well at the beginning, but you come from good stock, right? <laughs> no, yeah, you. People put a lot on Little, you. Wait, so so half of the Toronto Blue Jays roster right now? For real? Is that just, <laughs> is that their goal? Do they just... Hey, they have the holiday kid too. Right, right. <laughs> they have, oh. I think they have six. What is that, four? Because it's Biggio. It's... Guerrero, it's Holiday, and it's Bichette, right? Right. So they have they have four Hall of Famers sons, relative sons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know why they do it. They did it. It's like they're horse racing with the rest of the MLB. It's like, I don't know if you're actually a good horse or not, but you come from good stock, so... Let it play out, see how it goes. Man, that's hard. Now, as far as you're an NL guy, who do you got pegged for the NL Rookie of the Year? Brian Reynolds, hands down. Okay, okay, actually, I'm I'm a little bit torn with this. Okay. Okay, and this is why. With the direction that baseball is going offensively, it's easy to put offensive players in the forefront of what we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And what we we think is great, Mike Soroka is top ten in the National League in wins above replacement. Right, that dude's a rookie. His name's up there with Anthony Rendon, Trevor Story, Zach Greinke, Scherzer, Max Muncy, Jacob Degrom, Cattell Marte, Christian Yelich. Cody Bellinger, right? Like there, his name's up there with all of them, and he's a rookie. So, but at the same time, Brian Reynolds, and maybe he's tailed off. I know, like I talked about him a little bit before. He's num- He's hitting three twenty eight as a rookie. Let's just let's just pull up his stats. Let's see what he's got going because he currently has three point five wins above replacement. He's hitting three twenty eight. He has an on-base percentage of 401. Slugging five. He's a 924 OPS as a as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Okay, his OPS plus of 140, um, which essentially means he's 40. He's 40 percent better than the average MLB player. What's interesting about Brian Reynolds is he's not even in the top 20 of any of these stats though in his league. But he's a rookie. It's right. just evaluated against rookie. Right, and that's the hard part with this. Because when you, have, when you look at Jordan Alvarez in the AL, he is. He, he's just across the board. He's one of the better players in the AL as a whole. Yeah. Where Now, it's a relatively small sample size. But right, yeah. right. But, I mean, Brian Reynolds is good. He is. But you also have guys like Pete Alonso, who happened to win the home run derby in his rookie <sighs> year. He is an exciting player to watch. He's on a team that has gone through a heat streak and has gotten a lot of notice. So narrative helps him there. 
in a big way. No, for sure. So, okay, should consistency matter? That's a hard one. Because are you consistently average or does a few Ryan really Reynolds good heats? anything but average. I mean, consistently to yourself or extreme high peaks followed by a couple small Dude, stokes. All Pete Alonso has is home runs. Right. So, so he already won the home run derby. Here's another award for, for being a home run. I, like I, for hitting home runs, like I don't know. Like he's gonna have more RBIs because he he hits, you know, like he hits home runs, right? Yeah. Let's just look at slash lines. You know, Brian Reynolds sits at three twenty nine, four hundred one, nine twenty two. Pete Alonso stands at two sixty five, three sixty eight, but then nine sixty. And so he's kind of having something of a Bryce Harper effect, where his batting average, and even his on base percentage isn't great. But he's slugging. His on base plus yeah. slugging is doing okay. great. So that's what I'm. That's what that's what I'm saying. Is okay. So what's what's um Brian Reynolds' OPS again? His OPS is nine twenty two. And so the so a point divider, oh four difference. Right. The big divider for Pete Alonso is forty one home runs. Just one more time. Forty one <laughs> home runs. Ugh, I get. I to thirteen. Yeah, I think he actually holds the record for most home runs hit in a season by a Met ever. And Which I think I, by an NL rookie. Uh, yes, he did. Yes, now, Aaron Judge had 52 in his rookie season, right? That's the current yeah, all that's the current record. record for rookies, yeah. Right. I wouldn't mind if he had 13 more to whip out right now. I mean, that would be crazy. In if the age of the man okay, football, unless he, he hits 60, uh-huh. I don't consider breaking. I don't consider it breaking unless he hits 60 with the Manfred ball, though. Well, I don't know. We okay. haven't figured out the okay. ratio, but... Not, we'll figure it out. <laughs> if he breaks the rookie home run record, all right, give it to him. Respect. When you include things like positional versatility, Brian Reynolds plays every outfield spot. Pete Alonso plays first base. Right, and first base eh, is... The easiest position to field. Right. It doesn't mean it's easy. But it's the easiest. It's the easiest. Yeah. Win probability added. I just keep coming back to that stat. Well, it, it measures a little quicker and higher than war does. Just, just a little bit because it's, yeah, it's faster. It, it takes more. This is appearance on leaderboards, awards, and honors. He is fourth in the National League in batting average, seventh on base percentage, eighth adjusted OPS plus. Seventh in offensive win percentage. He's the fourth most assists as a left fielder. He's the fifth. He has the fifth fewest errors committed as a left fielder. He's third in range factor for nine innings. And he's third as range factor per game. So I think if you're going to look at, you know, Brian Reynolds versus Pete Alonso, um, they have almost the exact same win probability added. Pete Alonso has the edge by 0.3 wins probability added essentially I don't know I just feel like the hardest thing in all of sports is to hit a baseball mm, especially the fastball yeah I just feel like Brian Reynolds is doing that so well right to where he's fourth in the league in batting average. That's not just rookies. That's everybody. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Because home runs, yeah, I get it. Like, you're strong. But not only is this, is, is he's doing it like he's he's hitting against everybody all the time. He's a good defender. He plays multiple positions. Um, and it kind of goes back to your same comment about shouldn't, you know, like people that don't get the spotlight sometimes should get it if they're having a great season. Yeah. Right? I mean, I was a little surprised last year when Snell won Cy Young. Not because he didn't deserve it, but because I, Rays didn't do phenomenal last year. They didn't do bad. No, yeah. But you just didn't see I, it coming. You didn't have a lot of exposure to Snell. No, yeah. I think his ERA was under two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he had a great dude season. Has a, a great season. Just yeah. so little exposure. Yeah, no, I feel you. I don't know. I will, We'll have to see. Maybe we can make yeah. a side bet on or something. <laughs> Maybe we'll post a few supplemental things this week just to kind of look at that. It's going to be an interesting voting between MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year. I think there's a lot of underrated players and a lot of overrated mm-hmm. players. And I'd like to, since I don't think those are awarded, but <laughs> they should be. <laughs> no, let's let's at the end of the year, you and I, we'll okay. we'll invite a few people to vote, okay. um, select listeners, and we'll invite them to vote who they think the underrated and overrated player of the years are for the leagues. And so that we can kind of look at that with them. If you, as a listener, have found that you feel like there's a stat we overlooked, a player we've overlooked, or anything, go ahead and comment it to us. Send me a PM on Instagram, at designated.sitter, or a DM to Steve on the Twitter account, at uh, designated underscore pod. So that's designated.sitter on Instagram, and designated underscore pod on Twitter. Shoot us a message. We'd love to hear your insight, and we're going to take that into consideration as well. But don't come at us if you don't have statistics to back it up, because without statistics, without numbers, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. So, And we're happy to hear it from your preferred team, but we'll probably believe it more if it's not. <laughs> That's true. That's true. As, as little homer as possible would be great. And I'd love it if you message me on Instagram, because I'll generally be able to find out who your preferred team is through there. Hard not to if you're a baseball fan. Yeah, because you post about it. You share stuff. Oh, right. It's good. Love it. We love it. That'll take us out for the week. Who's yeah. the Who's the match of the week this week, Steve? Honestly, if I was had to pick a game of the week, it's probably, or like a series of the week, it's probably going to be Houston-Tampa just because of the whole playoff potential. Um, but specifically, August 27th, Charlie Morton versus Justin Verlander. Ooh. At Houston, Morton's return. Cy Young battle. It's going to be so freaking good. Thank you guys for tuning in to Designated Sitter Podcast. Please don't wait too long. I want to hear you sing. want to make Yeah, bad little bro from the valley. That's my turf. She has high balance. Everything I said, I know my worth. She like, can I get a verse? I say, guess that all depends. Yeah, do you got some friends for my friends? Girl, I'm playing. Hot damn. How you look in the mirror like that? Maybe want to get a mic back. I ain't going to rap when the heat want to trap my back. I'm ready to get it if you're ready to get it down. Swear to God, going to hit like Larry Holmes. I'm in the booth. I'm in the zone. And I can't wait to make that song for days long. Your voice is my favorite sound. Yeah. I 
can hear you breathing when I put it down, yeah Crazy how last weekend turned into a fling, though All I want is your audition, can you sing for me? I want Melody to take me home Please don't wait too long, yeah Wanna hear you sing, wanna make you moan Melody, please take me home Please don't wait too long, yeah Wanna hear you sing, wanna make you moan, yeah Yeah, bad little broad up on campus, that's my turf She asked how I got a fiend and I said, babe, I'm good with worse Thinking that body's dangerous, are you from the Caymans? I'm playing But I love that body language, trying to hear you sing I could make you famous, at least for a night, can you blame us? Starstruck entertainers, positions and angles Give it all you got and I might turn into your agent Oh yeah, your voice is my favorite sound, yeah I can hear you breathing when I put it down, yeah Crazy how last weekend turned into a fling, though. All I want is your audition, can you sing for me? I want Melody to take me home, please don't wait too long, yeah Wanna hear you sing, wanna make you moan Melody, please take me home, please don't wait too long, yeah Wanna hear you sing, wanna make you moan